So I'm here with Voltoro. They are a progressive metal band from Philadelphia. So if, I don't know if you guys just want to introduce yourselves one by one. Uh, say sure. a fun fact. I don't know. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, cool. Uh, so um, my name is Nick, Nick Santangelo. Um, I play drums and do some fun screamies. For I this band. Too. Oh, oh, no, screams, no. Yeah, I, I won't say that. It's bad. <laughs> like, I, I get I get pitch and all that, but like, it just doesn't sound good. So that's why you just scream. Yeah. But yeah, uh, fun fact. Um, as you got a little whiff of earlier, I was uh, just jokingly making fun of uh, one of the other fellow band members for being dapper looking and that's one a fun fact about me people don't think about just being like in like maybe more like a metal band i, I love clothes i love sneakers that's really i do just like that's my vice definitely that's my vice that's awesome yeah so a little that's like a random tidbit yeah you know, cool fact yeah hello i'm jack um i play the bass <laughs> for the band and my fun fact would be I eat pizza for lunch every day. Really? I make pizza every day. That's a good life. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> my name's Matt. I sing and play guitar in Voltora. And I ski a lot. Ski? Where do you ski? Ski a lot. Oh, it's everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere. I love the East Coast. The East Coast gets a bad rap as far as skiing is concerned, my opinion. But whenever I can, I, I try to like set like at least a week aside and find my way out west every other year. Where do you go skiing? I, I like I don't know anything about skiing. Like where where is good in the where's good? In the uh, west. Man, yeah. in the west? So apparently it's not good around. Pretty much there. anywhere in Colorado. Colorado. Pretty much anywhere you go in Colorado. Okay. Most of the place in Utah. There's a place in Montana that's really good. There's a place in Wyoming that's really good. British Columbia is pretty good. I've that heard Lake Tahoe's good, but I haven't been there yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, my name is Alec. I play guitar. And not many people know about this, but I actually am a blazing challenge survivor. I ate the 12 blazing wings at six minutes at Buffalo Wild Wings. And uh, I feel like that's probably the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life. So yeah, that's that's the fun fact about me. How many people a year can do that? Do you know, like how many, is there any statistics on that? I don't know. I mean, like there, at the time, there was like a handful of people on the wall that had completed it. Um, uh -huh. So, so it's like per location? I've, yeah, it's per okay. location, and I feel like I'm in relatively esteemed company, um, if you consider eating 12 blazing wings in six minutes esteemed <laughs> company. But um, but yeah, that was um, that was a big accomplishment. I never want to do it again. <laughs> so yeah, so we met the band. We're all, everyone, all of you are now best friends with them. I don't know. <laughs> all right. So... Um, probably a cliche question but um as i said do you guys play progressive metal influenced you know um so what and you can answer this i guess as a group and slash or as individuals what your influences are that's a good question um i feel like for us like we don't necessarily want to classify it as like, oh, it's these four bands that sound exactly like Totally, this. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I can speak on like... Uh, no, I have to take my question literally also. Like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the bands that I feel like we, we owe a lot to that probably not as many people know about is a band called Torch. Um, Torch? Yeah, yeah. They're a really cool, like sludgy metal band, but they do a lot of like major key stuff. And that's what we do a lot of. So I feel like they've been a pretty big influence uh, and then there's like a whole bunch of you know progressive metal progressive rock uh even just like 
classic metal bands, stuff yeah. like that. But we all have a variety of different influences. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's a group, and I would love to hear, like, your drumming, your bass, your guitar, singing influences. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man. It's a loaded question. Yeah, yeah, but... Let's each limit it to a few. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't need to do two hours of your influences. I know you have an album to talk about. So group wise, that's the case. There's like those select bands like like Torture Tool. You'll hear influence on mm-hmm. on the music, and it's because like songs are kind of like they have been being crafted for a while. So like it's like you know over that period of time, I guess, like, you know, maybe something was a little more influential to us as a group than uh, before. Right. But like, yeah, because individually, like it's all over the place. Like um, two dudes that I've been super hyped about, one dude's a jazz guy, and they know Lee Morgan. I really like him, he's a trumpeteer. Yeah, I've heard of him. Long deceased from Philadelphia. Really, really, really happening stuff, like, you know, post-pop guy. And then there's a band called Imperial Triumphant, Okay. From, from New York and their drummer, this guy like Kenny Gronkowski, I think his last name is. Mm-hmm. Machine. Those those two guys have just been constantly. Like, I'll go and listen to new things that have come mm-hmm. out this year or like last year or whatever. I've just been diving into. Mm-hmm. I always go back to them because I'm just like, that's it. Goes up. Yeah. What would be your influence um, if you had one? Good question. So fun fact, I'm a, I'm a poser. I'm a fake metal guy, um, for lack of a better term. And so, yeah, my favorite influence would probably be uh, Pete McCullough, the bassist for Streetlight Manifesto. Okay. Because I like ska music, as they all definitely know. And then me. Matt. So, uh, influences. Okay. Um, Arrangement-wise, uh, I would say, like, ELO, Jeff Lynn, for all the vocal arrangements where we got big stuff going on. Um, guitar wise, I would say, uh, Angus Young, Dave mm-hmm. Mustaine, and David Gilmore. Those are some good picks. Yeah. And obviously like, because... not that I can judge, I have bad taste evidently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say, and I think, uh, obviously because we, we mentioned Torch a few times, I'd, I'd have to throw out Steve Brooks from Torch. Mm-hmm. Who is retiring soon or quitting Torch soon? Yeah, I think he announced it like today. two days ago or something. No joke, something crazy. So get Great career, Steve. Some writers that are just done. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know about them, so now they're gonna be done before I can. You know. Or they're gonna get a replacement. Oh, okay, okay. I see. Yeah, I don't know what his name will be, but maybe it'll be something like Steve Brooks, like a variation <laughs> of a thing, like 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 Pete Stooks. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll, I'll make make it quick. I would say <laughs> if I had three main guitar influences, uh, I do really like like lead guitar shreddy guys, but I do love also like dudes that just write big riffs. Um, so I would probably say like Adam Jones from Tool, Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains. But as far as like lead guitar, I would say uh, like Marty Friedman from uh, Megadeth. Can't can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with Marty Friedman. Yeah, That's no. true. <laughs> you can't. It's impossible. How did you all meet? This is a long um, story. I was at a club and I saw Nick across the room and I was just like, yeah, I want a piece of that. <laughs> uh, no, we uh, we all went to middle school together, which makes that comment even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, so like I had been jamming with a kid in the neighborhood and then Alec and I met at the lunch table um, mm-hmm. in like seventh grade. And I, I had started playing drums like that summer before um, 
And then he's, we were, we, we didn't even talk about music, like playing instruments for a little bit. Right. And we were just being goofy and like vibed on the same sense of like outrageous, like outlandish humor. Mm-hmm. Like that still persists to this day. And then, um, then he's like, I know this guy, Matt, that like likes a lot of the same bands after we like kind of talked about what we enjoyed musically. Mm-hmm. And from that point, it was like always the three of us. Yeah. Really just like since seventh, eighth grade, just continuously going with like that fourth person. Like Jack used to actually even be in the band uh, like 2013, 14-ish. Mm-hmm. And then he came back like as of like 2017, 2018-ish. Okay. But like when I, everyone's talked about us, like how we've met, it's it's just through middle school, and we've always been like that that trio of guys. That's awesome, you know, actually. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think I've been any of the bands that I've been for like more than a quarter of that time. Well, that's what that's <laughs> what I usually say is I was like, yeah, it's it's like okay, instead of having these kind of different bands and phases, like with different groups of guys, mm-hmm. or, you know, whoever bandmates in school. Uh, we just kind of went through that ourselves like, yeah. a, a di- like different names <laughs> like every couple years or something yep. or like different song kind of vibes and what and have you endless revolving door of bass players <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I was, I exactly that. and that's just been it but yeah that's awesome it's pretty cool yeah that's actually really cool that you guys yeah. have been just collectively doing that for so long yeah it's really really big fortune, fortune too, yeah big you. blessing like that for sure like yeah We've gotten to like start at that same place and like etch out different spots and still come back in and be yeah. like, yo, what are we going to do? I Ooh, love that. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. I only actually have one more question band related anyway, so that's good. Uh, take this how you will. It doesn't have to be an actual favorite, but favorite album or an album you've been listening to, you can take that however. I don't really care. <laughs> it's another very loaded question. <laughs> going reverse this time. Let's um, go. <laughs> yeah, like if I, it's hard to pick like a favorite album. Or it can be ever. one you've just been listening to. Um, an album that I listened to like over the last like two years that I never get tired of is Channel Orange by Frank Ocean. Very not metal, but like I, I really, I really love that album. Um, I hope Frank Ocean releases a new record at some point. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but uh, but yeah, Channel Orange, go listen to it if you haven't listened to it. Okay. I've heard of that I haven't checked it out. It's yet. really, really good. I, I highly suggest you you okay. check it out. Oh I will then. Matt. Oh man. Not Matt's. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. See? See, I got it. I got it. I, I, I got you. This is a this is a lifelong student. You know how to learn. So yes. if I had to pick, if I had to pick one album. Sure. Uh I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna pick something I've been listening to. Uh, like this past year, I got real. I got I just like plunged headfirst into like the early seventies prog bands. Mm-hmm. So like the, the little holy triumvirate of like Yes, King Crimson, King Crimson, King Crimson, and Genesis. <laughs> and uh, I would probably go with of those three bands and all the listening I did. I'd probably have to go with uh, the Yes album. Probably the Yes album. I like that. I've been listening to Yes actually recently, and I think I discovered that album because I only really like heard the. That is a big album, but like the big ones. And yeah, it's so good. I mean, just from, t- from top to bottom, they they just all rip. The harmonies are beautiful. The melodies oh. are beautiful, and they're still ripping. Yeah. <sighs> so Frank Ocean and Yes, so fuck. That's where it all. Comes I like the variety. That's too, man. Yeah. Jack. Ooh. I think it would maybe be No Dream by Jeff Rosenstock. 
I know that one too. I'm just proud of myself for knowing all these albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, there's such just, a, there's so much music. Uh, so it's like you gotta. That's like course. what the past few years, if I recall right. No dream was. 2020 and then Ska Dream the very oh, 2021. Both incredible album. albums. Yeah. It's the same album. Okay. Yeah. Uh I mean, historically speaking, I mean I, I always have to give it up to this record, uh Sleep's Holy Mountain. Ooh. Because um I don't know, I really don't know if I would want to do anything musically related, like as a career choice or as a, an ambition without it. Um uh, yeah, it's like you. I heard that a Dragonaut, like it was like I was a senior in high school. I wasn't decided for college or anything. And uh, before I made that terrible decision, um, right? Like uh, you hear that, and I was like, dude, like you don't have to be like Van Halen or Pantera, which bands I loved and still love. Oh, yeah. But I was like, there, it really introduced this world of like underground heavy, like truthfully underground heavy, where like they were total black sheeps. And then of course, like a couple years later, you like go through it, like we went through that ourselves and mm-hmm. things like yeah. that, just being like, but like dude. before any of that, it was just like, dude, this, this was it. I was like, you know, I have to always give it up to that. Like whether I'm listening to it a lot, mm-hmm. I still know every twist and turn out like there's too many cause it's like the same riff, you know, every yeah. song, it's like six minutes, but sometimes I just want to hear for that long and yeah. like, coast on it. But yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Sleep. Frank Ocean, Jeff Rosen, Sonic Engines. I like that. So yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to bring up as collectively as a band before we get into the next segment. We got a June 18th record release show, Silk City, like 4th and Spring Garden, Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably bring that up a couple more times because uh, it's going to be really fun. Uh, we have two bands, uh, The Stone Eye and People Food opening up the show. And then we'll be doing the the whole record pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, June eighteenth. Doors are what seven. Yep. Yeah. Show by seven thirty, I assume, because it's got to be a hard nine thirty quit. So you can have fun, rage with us, and then go get plastered somewhere else in the city afterwards. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it's got to be a blast. If you enjoy everything you hear, you can come see it live, or you can just say, ah, oh, no, no, just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is that? Show four. What what are you releasing? We're releasing a record. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> what 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 my dad's dad used to call an LP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That record is called a violent daydream. So this is probably a good one to start with. Um so it's called a violent daydream, and I saw the album cover, and I also um I noticed that the um so like whenever I hear an album title, I always like to figure out where you got it from. And it's in uh, Blue Radio, is that right? Is that where you Correct. got it? Cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I don't know if you have any like inspiration where that came from other than simply in Blue Radio? No, I don't think so. Was it just like it? I think- Picking out lyrics. I mean, if I'm, <laughs> if, if I'm being honest here, we were just like, what are we gonna call it? And we were like, okay, well, we could call it one of the songs. No, that's lame. We could like have it be something ambiguous. I don't know. We could just call it Voltoro. Nah. <laughs> and then we would just start. I, I honestly can't remember this. If you guys can remember, Alec, I think, is the one that that did say like one of the lyrics was like a he's like violent daydream or something. I was like, I think I suggest the idea of like 
we should use one of the lines from one of yeah, the yeah, yeah. and that's where I think yeah, that's I think we yeah. started combing through lines yeah. yeah I know Alec and I had a conversation and we were like yo we obviously it's four people we gotta talk to them but like that is a great record I was like that just sounds cool and I'm not mm-hmm. one even earlier just talking about this or being like yo like uh, this song I don't like talking about the, you know what I mean yeah. I'm like Cause there's always, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, but like hearing that, I was, and even in the moment still now, I'm like, that just sounds sick. I always like, yeah, like I always like when I listen to a record and the album title is not one of the songs, but it's a line somewhere. It's kind of like when you go see a movie and you're waiting for them to say the movie title (laughs) and then it happens, you're like, oh! I think it and I think it worked out being relatively apt, right? So yeah, like yeah. Well, a lot of the record is more even is heavy. I mean, we're tuned way low, we're chugging on big fat riffs, but we're also there's a lot of melody, we're playing in major keys for a lot of yeah. it. Yeah. So I think you have you literally do have a little bit of violence, a little bit of daydream going on in there. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying that's true. Yeah. yeah. Big time. Do you have a personal favorite song from the album, each of you? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I I think mine, like okay, to as a collective composition. Okay. My favorite is Catholicide because it just it's got the goods in there. You know, quick in and out beef beefcake beatdown riff, which Mm -hmm. you know that's always good. Um, but my favorite thing um that I do like for for personally from a drum standpoint that I was like I'm proud of this like or or I smile at it is Mm -hmm. in the song Immaculate Son one of the longer ones Mm -hmm. there is a whole uh, build up of drums like it's very like just percussive all around not not that it's just drums but there's a part that um there's a lot of alt percussion that's all syncopated and uh, it like reminds me of like swans like throbbing gristle like real industrial heavy Maybe bands that would not want to be classified as metal or that, you know, hate metal, but bands that are heavier than most metal bands. Yeah. That sort of thing, which is brutality. I was like, yeah, like that. It's not my goal, but how the end process was. I was like, yes. Yeah. I was like, sick. Yeah. I like that. I'd say my favorite song would be Scrumlord because it is the only song, correct me if I'm wrong, in standard tuning in that whole album. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's yeah. fun to like pick up my instrument and actually know how to play it. Because <laughs> yeah. when we're in all these drop A tunings and whatever, my brain has to readjust. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I don't think I have a favorite. I, it's hard for me You're to say. You're just kids, you can't choose. Yeah, it's yeah. hard for me to choose. I could say, I could say probably the most rewarding okay would yeah, be sure. would be the track joe pon new because at least how i write there's like a mix of i can hear it in my head and i just have to fish it out versus like i really need to sit down and compose something and it's kind of laborious but ultimately mm-hmm. rewarding that one had a lot of both mm-hmm. and it was and you know it, it came together at least the vocals came together really late in the process, I, it was one of like the last things I came up with. Okay. Came up with it while I was skiing. Uh, <laughs> I recorded all the demos for it when I was skiing. But, uh, <laughs> well, like literally while you're going down the mountain. Yeah, yeah. dude. Like, I, had a, I had a zoom. I had a zoom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. That was good. That was, was good. Jane's Addiction. Yeah, continue. Uh, we'll talk about Jane's Addiction. 
So yeah, there's a lot going on in that song, big arrangements. And uh, I think just collectively, we, it was the one song where we were all kind of concerned, like how is this going to turn out? And I think after all was said and done, it turned out like better than we'd expected. It's the sleeper. It's the sleeper. It's always a good feeling. It rips. It rips hard. That's a great feeling. Yeah. yeah. I got to go with, uh, with what Jack said, which was Scrum Lord. Um, I just like the, uh, the, I like where it goes, mm-hmm. where it starts with like, chaos and odd time and then you get like just like soaring vocals and like a big chorus with gang vocals and then like once you think the song is over it's not over <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure we'll i'm sure we'll check that out at some point maybe but yeah i gotta go scrumbler it's i was hoping one of you would say the long the the one i was attached to the most which was a bike song actually we love bike song. Really. I love yeah. that one. I don't know why the chorus are... I, I didn't want it to be a Voltaro song. Really? <laughs> I yeah. had to be convinced. Well, thank you. Bike song. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for uh, giving in, I guess. So bike um, song, I bought my first interface. And okay. I was just like, I'm going to figure out how to make this thing work. And <laughs> bike song. I didn't write any lyrics to it or anything, but really? like I recorded, I had like a blue Yeti mic. I recorded drums and bass and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh, well, there's a fun little demo I did. And then uh, I can't remember. I showed it to Alec at some point. Uh-huh. And he was just like, dude, that's got to be one of the songs. That's got to be on the record. So you were like, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Matt wrote like several songs by himself at this time that I thought all should be on the record, and then Bike Song was one of probably like two or three. It was like two, yeah. Um, and the other two or three didn't make the record. Well, one of them was like sort of like big Beatles influence, and was like yeah. we very, it. It was very, very, very yeah. cool, but it probably just doesn't really fit with the vibe yeah. of the record. Yeah, um, and that's where I was leaning with Bike Song as well. I just yeah, think it quite fit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think it's just the chorus for me that really gets me. It's a good chorus. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That warms my heart. <laughs> I think I can speak for everyone, though. I think we, like, all the songs start to finish, we all kind of love them in their own special way. Yeah. Except, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not speaking perfectly. <laughs> well, uh, we'll get there. Yeah, you mentioned, you, you kind of talked about this a little bit already. Uh, I just wanted to ask you what the songwriting process was for the album, if you just want to talk about that. All over the place. All over the Depends place. Depends on the song. I mean, okay. so. Okay, I would say. I don't know if there's more notable, you can go into everyone. I would say there. majority speaking, it's mm-hmm. usually Alec has a handful of riffs. I have a handful of riffs. Mm-hmm. We sort of work them out. Like if they're in the same key or close, We'll kind of mishmash them together. Then there's also, and then we'll come and, and work them out with Nick and Jack. Mm-hmm. A couple of the songs are like, uh, we were in rehearsal. I had two riffs and then we just, just bounced off in like 20 minutes and there's a song. Wow. And then a couple of the songs are like, Alec wrote an entire piece with had like, had like some questions for arrangement, but like it was pretty much all his, his like baby. Mm-hmm. And then like, there's like, Bike song, bike song yeah. yeah. Like I recorded literally everything. I'm like, no, you have to put. Make sure you play this bass part. Like, yeah. So I can say that my favorite is when we mishmash, or when there's that sudden like, oh, he has a riff, I have a riff, he has a riff, and then we're in rehearsal and we just done. 
like the second single that we put out yep. uh, in October and March away. March away, yeah. And that was one of those instances where Matt had that, you know, that guitar hook in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time we had uh, another bassist too, who was literally like pretty much on the way out. Yeah. And uh, so one time, like, I mean, there's been times that he was there, but there'd be those times where like, where's this kid at? And we're like, well, we had ideas and we goofed around and warmed up everything with it. And that was one of those instances. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really did come together quick. It's a, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. They're all good ones. <laughs> did you have like any challenges during the song or like recording or any, uh, any point in producing the album? COVID. COVID was like a, a sort of like, well, I don't know, like maybe, maybe <laughs> no. we were blowing COVID, but like it was tough because like you, when you listen to the record, I'm not sure if people can tell, but there were instances where like we recorded like entire vocal performances where like Matt was wearing a mask. It sucked. Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> that kind of like, now, now like it was our it so it happen again. Dude, this is fine, but when you're trying to like, Actually, literally you're, you're like, because you're trying to get into it and like, you know, you're like, they always say like rappers are spitting, like literally my mask is soaking wet and it's falling off every 30 seconds. Oh, it sucked. It yeah. sucked so hard. And then we had like, initially we started recording like this whole thing. Like a lot of these songs we probably wrote back in like 2014, 2015, really? like a long time ago. Like some of the yeah. earliest ideas like go back that far. Some of the stuff is more recent, but we, yeah. Pre-proed everything, track drums back in like November of 2016. It, like, uh, and, then, and then I'll jump in real quick and I'll let Alec finish that. that that's cool. Yeah. Uh, 2016 election day. I was like, I don't care. We got to do these drums. I like we we were booked that day. They let us come in an hour late in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And that night, I don't know why. I just I guess I was just having this like burst of like excited I couldn't go to sleep. I won't say what songs. I mean, unless you you want to know, but like the initial record, which we were going to put out with some of these other songs, like we were saying, like March Away came later on and we replaced other songs, like one of those other songs Matt had written. Mm-hmm. that just wasn't with the vibe. Yep. Sure. March Away was like not a replacement for that specific song, but we're like, that fits better. What the record was proposed to be, I recorded the whole thing in a day with like two hours of sleep. So that was my biggest problem. Then there was other songs we went and did in like March of 2019 that then, you know, like March Away was one of those. And that was a lot more easy because that was like three in the afternoon to like eight at night. We recorded the drums separately. We recorded the drums up at this place called uh, Bunker Studios. And then everything else for the record was tracked at Blue Light Digital Sound in Mount Holly, New Jersey, which is where I work. So we, it was pretty, for the most part, it was pretty DIY. but it was um, it was a long process that was sort of some of the things we could control, some of the things were out of our control. Um, I can say for a fact that the follow up will probably be a lot more efficient. But we're <laughs> yeah. but we're uh, we're here today, having completed this long arduous process. But it was it was arduous, but it was also a labor of love. So I'm happy that. Uh, and hopefully it'll be very. Re- I mean, for it's already rewarding. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's a gigantic 300 pound gorilla lifted off my shoulders. Oh, I'm sure. Cause you said oh. it's been around, the idea has been around since 2014. Yeah. But to, to more directly answer the original question, like college jobs, COVID, 
we we think these tracks are good. Oh wait, no, we don't think they're good. Oh wait, no, now we think they're good again. <laughs> you know that whole thing, feeling like falling out of favor with some songs, falling into favor with newer songs. That just probably so much. like fifteen songs during the album cycle, and nine made the cut. That so. album cycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah. Um, but it more or less all those circumstantial things got in the way mm -hmm. but we triumphed over all of those things and we're here today with our completed records it's so done i have compact discs with my music on it <laughs> yeah the power of rock and roll <laughs> i know all of you are saying amen right it now. never stops it never, it never stops. stops yeah and that's awesome i actually didn't know it honestly i didn't even know you guys have been around that long so that's just awesome that like we changed our name. Yeah, oh, like yeah. like we hinted earlier, like you were saying, you know, there's a name change, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it's like uh Yeah, but yeah. as as Voltoro it's been a year. But this no this music has never been put out in any sort of other digital or physical format, like under our old name or anything. Mm -hmm. So there's no rarities like that. This is it. It's a total rebrand. Total rebrand and it's rocking and rolling. Blue Radio, tell us your uh, secret on the tuning. Yeah, so as far as the tuning is concerned with Blue Radio, um, this is something that will prevent future generations of guitar players from struggling to figure out what the tuning is. I'll just let it out now. It's tuned in octaves of A and E. So it's like A, E, A, E, A, E, low to high. Very like Sonic Youth kind of, but that totally happened by accident. Like I just decided to tune to drop A one day and like eventually like was just like oh that's cool if i set it up this way in like these intervals then i can still play power chords and stuff and then like all the octaves are like just right there rather than having to jump up a couple frets so you can get like these really cool like 12 string vibes and that song blue radio is the first song that we ever wrote in that tuning um and that tuning is used on several songs throughout the record but I think it just lends itself well to that kind of like very major key, but still very like heavy and aggressive kind of sound that's prevalent throughout the whole thing. Some of the influence from that, I mentioned Sonic Youth. I actually really have never listened to Sonic Youth. So like, that's <laughs> probably like the wrong example to use, but like I'm a huge Soundgarden fan. Okay. If you listen, if you listen to like, not like the, the singles that everyone knows, but like if you listen to some of the tracks that are lesser known there's a lot of examples of like repeated octaves of strings and like this like tuning the guitar to the same string on different strings or mm -hmm. to the, the same note on different strings yeah. um so sort of that i feel like was an influence on that but again like it was mostly accidental it was like oh this sounds cool let's write some songs in it and we still write songs in that tuning so get a lot of mileage out mm -hmm. of it i'm sure it's probably kind of like the word I'm looking for here, terminology, like a creative tool, you know, something yeah. to like get the creative juices flowing. Yeah, you know I was really, I was really annoyed when he was like, I wrote a song in A E A E A E tuning. I was like, okay, um, <laughs> I have half a dozen songs in C standard, so I have to get an A E A E A E guitar. You can get a guitar in C standard, and he didn't get a guitar in C standard. <laughs>
So how are you gonna do that live? Are you gonna have a bunch of different like five guitars on stage? <laughs> That's yeah. the dilemma that we're faced with with all these yeah. different tunings. But for the most part, I mean live, it's mostly yeah. just a guitar and AE tuning, and it's okay. a guitar in standard tuning that can bounce between standard tuning and drop D. So mm-hmm. that's sort of how we do it um, nowadays. In the future, when there is more tunings and whatnot, um, we will we'll figure that out. But for now, for now, it's it's pretty manageable. <laughs> That's probably the coolest feature of Blue Radio mm-hmm. uh, to those that are more theory inclined and, and know what I'm talking about, especially guitar players. But um, yeah, after I think, that. Yeah, I, I think we were, I was just really happy with the way it turned out. I thought the song came together really well. Uh-huh. I think we all agreed that like as far, because the, the album goes in a lot of different directions. And I think we all agreed that Blue Radio was a good sort of little snippet of sort of each of the directions we go in between melody, big heavy riffs, mm-hmm. being a little bit more more proggy with with the riffs that mm-hmm. it's not super straightforward, just like chugging power chords the whole time. Totally, yeah. So uh, I think we were like, it is the first single off a record, so I guess that's yeah. Nice. I couldn't remember if it was the first or the second. March is the second, right? March is the second. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Yeah. So I think collectively we were all just like, yeah, let's do Blue Radio. I think it's a good way to start. Yeah, I think that's a good pick because I feel like. Is it like a lot of, it's always a problem like prog metal, like trying to figure out which single, because normally you want the single to be the radio friendly one, mm-hmm. but it's prog. Yeah. <laughs> it's not supposed to be radio yeah. friendly. So I like that mindset of like what encapsulates the album yeah. and our, our vision or whatever for it. So that's pretty cool. Did we talk about track two at all? Yeah. Superglue was like, I had a bunch of riffs that were in like odd time and like it's, it stays kind of with the major key theme, but the song's mm-hmm. in a different tuning. I won't go into that because I don't want to <laughs> non-musician listeners. It's it's definitely like in that realm of like big riffs mm-hmm. and drop D, like Tool, Soundgarden, Rage Against the Machine, like that kind of vibe. But then there is some like, um, you know, more so like a Tool thing where there's like odd time and whatnot. Yeah, but it's cool. I think it's collective. It might be our least favorite song <laughs> collectively. Collectively, for say. me, it's 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 reaching a renaissance now. We brought it back to play live a little yeah. bit, and I do just, like playing it live. Just changing little what I, like so the hits will be the same, indicating that the measure it's. Uh, it's like an alternating measure of like what six and five usually. Yeah, it's something like the main. Like at least the main rib, you could break it down into that. Um, but just like like live, um, I'll instead of hitting just like and I'll keep this as you know <laughs> crash the you know the big one of the washier symbols you hear bands hitting the bass drum the big thuddy you know with the foot <laughs> doom, doom, boom drop the bass uh, no Chuck D but yeah like. Uh, I'll hit it with the snare drum too instead of the bass drum. Like just bring in the snare drum in there, which is more like when you're thinking in your head, like one, two, three, four. The snare drum's on two and four. So like just doing those little things to freshen it up makes yeah. it fun to play again. Cause like like that's a thing I think we, at least for me, because it's like when you do something, I'm like, all right, cool, let's encapsulate that. Like do it, mm-hmm. get it out there. Not saying I want to put something out like things. That's my like contradiction. I want to. Be able to follow up the thing in a timely manner, but that doesn't mean like six months, like, you know, like Rush, where it's like, just like, you know, Rush, caress the steel, you know, fly by night, yeah. just like, bam, you know, like where they would go on six month tours, write the record, record it, do it over again. 
Like I, I, I would want to make sure that we could like obviously expose as much people to this as possible, mm-hmm. but it's also like once it's done, especially like before we even like go to like put it out, I'm like, all right, what's the next thing? Yeah. yeah. So like adding those little difference helps. Yeah, it makes me to keep a, a very fun attraction. Keep things fresh and kind of ride on that. Yeah, because we might have played the song like there's some that we played a lot because we were playing them before. But obviously, like I was saying earlier, we've never had it out on another digital or physical format. Mm-hmm. So it's like now everyone has to, you know, you got to have those songs to choose from and play them, kind of thing. Yeah, here. Yeah, that makes sense. So you know. So I can say like lyrically, so kind of we we touched on this when you asked us about songwriting, right? We're like sometimes things are, you know, one way or another way. Lyrically, I could say that generally speaking, it's either like something that has like Blue Radio, for example, for me has a lot of meaning. Every lyric I've very strategically placed. Mm-hmm. It, it you know there there is a something that I'm going for that I'm not I won't share. I'll still let the listener interpret, but yeah, it has a lot going on. Super Blue, on the other hand, is something we're more of, and we, we mentioned Torch and Steve Brooks earlier. I remember that that cat talking about how he doesn't care at all about lyrics. He just kind of says whatever, huh. and it's more about the melody, and like if the words just kind of work here, that's fine, but like they do not care at all about the lyrics. Super Blue, like I'm, I care about the lyrics. I want them to work well, but I, I really like ambiguity in your lyrics. I really, yeah, I think I go pretty hard for that in okay. Superglue more than more than the other tracks on the record. Okay, uh, but but at the same time, I think I was just trying to put something together that just flowed well on Superglue. Yeah, yeah, without there being too much, you know, anybody can interpret that song in a million different ways. But yeah, yeah. After uh, Superglue, we had bike song. It's bike song, right? Yeah. yeah. Now you talk about bike that one because that's that's your baby. Uh, bike song, I guess, is my baby. Um, we touched on it earlier. I, I, I had this idea for something. I put it all together really quickly. Um, I didn't intend for it to be a Voltoro song. I just thought it was a fun little thing that I put together and maybe I would put it on something someday. Mm -hmm. I showed it to Alec. He really liked it. We ended up, I showed it to the band. Everybody enjoyed it. Uh, we jammed it out. Um, you know, though I, though I record, I like, I recorded every instrument, but I think bike song is a shining example of like, yeah, I recorded every instrument. I had everything demoed. But still, everybody is able to bring their own twist to like the parts that I originally laid down. Yeah, he fixes the drums up a lot. Jack for the intro of the song, but there's a string intro. I don't. I don't know if you remember that part. I remember uh, an intro being like he recorded violins, upright bass, whole bunch of stuff. You play them all yourself? Yeah, you know, utilizing that college degree. <laughs> um, well, the, the the whole thing was I remember like there, that was the, the quote unquote intro the whole time and Matt had lyrics for everything but that and he kept being like well it'll probably be like a lyric intro or something and that was the point where I was just like I didn't want lyrics to be there yeah. and I was like I want to contribute something to this band <laughs> so yeah I just kept like bothering the guys but you know we could do like a string thing and not that they like didn't believe me or whatever I think they were a little confused so I just like made a, a crummy little demo at home and yeah. <laughs> I, I oh, made yeah. the mistake of having just an upright bass and a violin and uh-huh. a cello in between. Yeah. So it's me reaching up way high on the bass, but it well, was we heard, We were like, yeah, that's sweet. No, it was cool. We have to have that on <laughs> Is that your favorite song, you think? Like song yeah. on the record? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I could say that that song is uh, it's about a bike. 
<laughs> oh, is that why it's called Mike's song? <laughs> it's about Mike. I was, I think. Is it a song? I, I like it was just a little demo thing. I didn't think I was going to do anything with it. And when it came down to, oh, we want to record it, I had a couple of lyrics. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just thinking, like, this song is, it's probably the happiest song on the record. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, as far as all the major key stuff, it's very, a very positive vibe throughout the Absolutely. entire thing. Very driving. And I just thought, like, the, the first experience I thought of is, like, my first job that I had that paid me more, like, significantly more than minimum wage. The first paycheck I got, I went to a Target, and I bought one of those pre-assembled Target Made in China Schwins. Uh -huh. And it was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> so, like, I just thought about that and done. That's cool, because I would totally think of that and, like, I'm happy. I mean, like, the vibe of the song totally goes with, like, what you're talking about. One of the things that I thought was cool about the arrangement process with Bike Song was all of the voices that Matt had that occur in that first chorus, where if you listen in the background, you get these, yeah. like, strong, like, Beatles-style, like, harmonies. And one of the things that I thought was cool about, like, the mixing process for that Matt had like these very particular ideas of like how to process everything and the way that it was processed. What was the what was the inspiration for that? Like there was one I had song. read. I had read that the way the Beatles recorded the song because of yeah. Abbey Road yeah. was the three of them. So not Ringo, unfortunately, but uh, the three of them hung around a microphone and triple tracked each of their parts for because which is basically just vocals on that weird little harpsichordy sounding thing yeah and uh they that so it was nine voices total so i was like let's try to do that so on most on a lot of the harmonies of backup vocals we do it's just me for a lot of them which was taxing to my lungs i can tell you that much but like we we would i would record you know the bass vocal, I would record the baritone vocal, I would record the tenor vocal, and then if there was a falsetto on top, I'd add that too, but generally there was like three of each voice going at any given time. That's really cool. Because I, I, I noticed, um, first, second listen, I didn't notice the um, backing vocals. I mean, they were there. It was like one of those things where like it's like bass, you don't know it's you don't there, but it's it. contributing. Yeah. And yeah, the, yeah, I really... That's actually pretty cool because I didn't know there were. I knew there were a few things happening um, vocally. That's really cool. I actually didn't know that about because either. That's yeah, man. I'm telling you, you want anything to sound good, just like do everything yeah. three times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do everything three times. The song on the record that doesn't really sound like the Beatles is Kaplasai, which is the, <laughs> the, yeah. fourth, the fourth track on the record. That's a really good example. Of like what Matt was talking about earlier, where we in rehearsal, it was sort of this spontaneous thing. Uh, Matt had like these riff ideas and we built like the first half around those. And then the second half is where the song sort of goes into like, I refer to it as like a tech death part. Um, oh. <laughs> where, where like it's, I mean, we're definitely not a death metal band, but I think at least some of us listen to like some bands that sort of like teeter on that fringe. And uh, it was really cool. It came together really quickly. And um, the fact that we were able to kind of just like seamlessly fit what I consider to be like two parts that are very different, but similar at the same time. Um, and yeah. it, became, it became, I think it's the shortest song on the record, but it's yeah. like, it's a nice like burst of, of like 
just controlled chaos. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Catholic side. Mm -hmm. I, I love going straight from Bike Song into Catholic side. Mm -hmm. Just like because we we were I remember talking about it as far as like the track list. I'm like, okay, this is a lot of songs in a happy major key in a yeah. row. And Bike Song's the happiest. Up. Yeah, you reach the peak happiness. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, every everything came together really good on there. That one on the record. There's some some backup gutturals from Nick. Um, we've definitely, we've gotten it put together where I think at this point we, everybody in the band, when we play live is up into a mic at some point. So it took a while to get there, but alas, yeah. um, everybody <laughs> finds a way to contribute vocally. And, uh, That's awesome, I think bro. it came together really good on capital side, the more aggressive stuff, yeah. definitely a lot of thrashy and deppy influences there. And, uh, yeah. Sometimes we play it and like the people over there are like, this is so good. And the other people there are just like, why are they playing this song? <laughs> so, uh, we came here to see jam bands and whoop bands. That's not what we're getting here in Glassboro, New Jersey tonight. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Torch it. Yeah, it's definitely like, it's probably a song you wouldn't want to show to like anyone over the age of 50. If you were trying to like, if like if I was trying to like get someone's parents into my band, uh, I would not show them Catholic side. Yeah. yeah. The one downside of Catholic side and Alec figured this one out recently is doing clean vocals and gutturals on the same <laughs> song in the same set hurts. Mm -hmm. So it's, huh. that's, we we do it because we love it, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is like the the one. Despite it being like a super aggressive song, I do love that. Like for the most part, you have this like kind of like it almost kind of reminds me of like Van Halen, where you get like David Lee Roth and Michael Anthony like singing these yeah these counterparts throughout the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so like live, it's it's fun because I get to see oh, like, I'm yeah. co co lead he vocal. Gets to, on he gets that to one. co lead on that. One. <laughs> There you go. That and like I say, that's my favorite one. I mean, I'm not even thinking about that, but definitely that too. Like taking it from the studio and like trying to replicate it live. But obviously, you know, it's live; it'll be different. Oh yeah, like, having can... those things for sure. Like even add to, I guess, my personal defense or just being like, yeah, that's my favorite one mm -hmm. for sure. It's a good one. Yeah, I love when stuff's different live. I think that's like that's the point. How it should be. Yeah. Yeah. But the next one we've been playing since like 2014 or something. Mm -hmm. It's the I think it's probably the oldest complete song. Yeah. Like we had elements like Joe Pano and stuff earlier, but I think Immaculate Sun was like Immaculate Sun and Blue Radio, Super Glue. All one. those were definitely the oldest of that time. I know for a fact Immaculate Sun is the oldest one because when I was in the band the first time we played it before. We did oh, play it at yeah. UPenn. And yeah. we were there for yeah. that. Yeah. I consider Immaculate Sun our version of a power ballad. Mm -hmm. I always felt that way. Is that, I'm sorry, is that the nine minute, they're the long one? It's there's, one of them. There's two. Yeah, there's two. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's one at the end. Or close the end. Uh, yes, because I'm, I'm just trying to remember it in my head. Yeah, I remember that one. See, that's how bad I am. I, I'm like, there's there's two, there's three. No, there's like four longer songs. <laughs> because yeah. we have other ones that are that long. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, but so like, I think Immaculate Sun, to, to Matt's point, like, it, it has a different element and a mood. And it does take twists and turns uh, in, in in like dynamic senses and things like that and feels within the song. Absolutely. Um, I remember that one for that, I think. Yeah, so that's the one that I was saying like at the end, there's this whole very Tool-esque part of, of the build, this syncopated riff that 
that the like the drums and everything is very percussive. I can do that aux stuff. That's my favorite mm. moment for myself. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I remember the drums. Yeah. Just I think that's cool the one vibes. song where like everybody has a little show offy moment, kinda. Like, oh, that's fun. Nick has sort of his drum breakdown. Alec and I trade solos. Jack, like the song cuts, and there's a slap bass part that comes right in. Oh, I missed that. It's a nice little showcase oh. bit. Oh, how I missed that. After, so we have this like drop D suite in the middle of the record <laughs> where yeah. you get Immaculate Sun. And then you get Joe Podnew. Joe Podnew is one of my favorite songs on the record. Um, mm -hmm. I have this cool guitar solo moment. But aside from the guitar solo, like, it's... Um, the guitar so solo rips, by the way. Oh, yeah. thank you. It rips hard. <laughs> um, but aside from, like, just focusing on my guitar parts, um, <laughs> it's like, I really like Joe Podnew because uh, I feel like it represents, like, I'm a huge uh, Mastodon fan. I feel like that's where like a lot of those like riffs sort of like came from. Mm -hmm. um, and like, it's again, it's nine minutes long. It's proggy. It's sort of like a really good representation of like who we are. It's a pretty aggressive song too. Um, so I think for, for us to encapsulate that in nine minutes where we kind of share all of our influences and uh, mm -hmm. there's like a little each each like segment of the song I think is really indicative of who we are. So that's really why I like that song oh, quite really, a lot. Yeah. I like yeah. I like that. I like the way you word that. <laughs> Thank you. Before we move on too far, uh, back to Joe Panu, I just wanted to add in real quick. Yes, the guitar solo is absurdly good in it. Okay, so viewers out there or listeners, <laughs> viewers on YouTube, make sure you check that out. Yeah. <laughs> March away. Uh, march away. March away. Yeah, march away. March away is like another good example of like lot like rehearsal spontaneity begets a song. Uh, that was the same situation. It might have, was it on the same day that we did Catholicide that we also did March Away? It was, I think it was, was around the same time. Well, that we, didn't, we didn't like finish both songs immediately. It was like we came up with like I started with each of them at first and then we all sort of came in and then like you added a riff or two to it and we got through probably like uh two thirds of each song yeah. and then i think we hammered out the rest of them in another rehearsal and, like, and joe pa knew was like that too not to like yeah, yeah. Th there was a time that we we used to rehearse in um matt's parents like den space and we have like the gear set up and we were packing up and then alec was just kind of still goofing off and we hit this riff and then I chimed in and, and I was like, that's something. And then next time there was more pieces of that puzzle to, you know, build the puzzle board kind of thing. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, with those two songs, like they're mentioning Catholicide and definitely March Away. Mar March Away is the super vivid one. Just being like, yeah. where's this kid? This bass guy's not going to be here for like another 30 minutes. And that's what he's saying. He might not, there'd be times where he really was late, but then his, his car, because it was just a hunk of junk, broke down. Oh, he's a like, bass player. Yeah, be like, all right, well, you know what? Let's uh, let's just keep messing around with that. You know, you know, we had that kind of stuff happen. And yeah, spontaneity, good stuff. Another yeah. thing I like about Marshall Way is it's another good example of like the layered vocals where you get like in the song's pre-chorus, you get like that that very Beatlesy thing where 
Mm-hmm. You get like the main line, and then they're you're gonna highlight a phrase, but it's gonna be in like three part harmony. Yeah. Um, that that I always thought was really cool. It's really funny doing this doing this thing. Like I realize how influenced by the Beatles we are, which is kind of funny. Like, I, I mean, to be fair, a lot of it probably of can pay Beatles. some sort of you know For sure. attribution. The best part is uh, these guys learning what they have to do live, and them just being like. Uh, it's, not, it's not easy. Sucks. <laughs> but yeah, March Away, I think we were all we were all feeling pretty good about it being the second single. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think, to be fair, I think we did succumb a little bit to, I think it is more like a shorter, more radio-friendly song. Yeah. Where it's not the shortest, but at the same time, like, it isn't nine minutes long. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think we... I mean, and if anybody else wants to chime in here, like, I just feel like we thought, yeah, well, that, that's a good follow-up. We were thinking about doing a third, but I think we just ended up just... Yeah, it's like, uh, I have show like, when people do listen, like, if I tell them, like, oh, you're in a band, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, being nonchalant enough about it, but it's, like, yeah, so it's on Spotify, it's on YouTube, you can find it wherever, blah, blah, blah. And they'll, like, get back to me, and they'll be like, yo, I... I love your cymbal work. I, I love I love the guitars that 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 melody sort of thing. Like, like that catchy hook in the beginning, like the chorus just you know gets in your head and the whole. Yeah. Like I was with a friend a couple weekends ago, and uh, I hadn't seen him since before COVID, and we were hanging out, and he's like, "Dude, there's," and we were jamming because he's just like you know kind of hobbyist musician guy, mm-hmm. and. He was like, dude, that thing you were doing, it reminded me. Yeah, Nikolak. Yeah, he was like, yo, that thing you were doing reminds me of March Way, where it's like, I was like, oh, the chorus. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, he's like, dude, it, it's great. He, he that, and then um, he loves Catholicide. Like he's like, dude, he's like everything about that song, just every element, like especially like the vocals, the riffs, just um, the the like, su- he's like the super aggressive drums kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Those three things are just like. Dude, I, I love it kind of thing. He's just like, I don't know, it's quick in and out kind of vibe. But yes, yeah, so you get people that it does work. Like it is it is a, a decisive chess move to be like, this is shorter. Totally. You know, it's half the length of Blue Radio, but it's still enough quality for people out there to, you know, take in. You know, yeah. One last thing I want to say about March Away here is uh, it's the only song to feature a performance by someone outside of the band. Uh, oh, so yeah. shout, shout yeah. out to my guy Jamie Goel for providing the backing vocals in the chorus. It would yep. not sound as good if you didn't do that. So thank you. Facts. <laughs> Yo, and the Facts. Is awesome. If you had to do a third single, what would it be? I think originally, okay. my thought was bike song. Again, I that was. <laughs> that has since changed though. Selfishly, that's kind of why I asked the question. Originally, it was bike song because, like, again. Not too long. Yeah. Like positive vibes. If anything is, if anybody, if anything would be played on a radio station, I think it would be Bike Song, even over the other two, probably. But at the same time, like there's more to us than major key, fun, happy exuberance. It's yeah. Part of our sound. That's a good point. But like, so I would probably have to say, if I were to put another single out, it would, it would be a toss up between Catholicide and Scrumlord. Th- those are my two as well. Yeah, it would be a toss-up between those two. I mean, just because Catholicide is shorter, uh-huh. but which obviously goes well for a single traditionally. But at the same time, yeah. like, you know, 
we were joking about Hotel California earlier. It's a long <laughs> song, and that was a single. Yeah, it was a long song. It could be a single. Taylor Swift, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I'm just biased about Mike's song. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would say I would probably say Scrumlord, just because I I love that song. But like uh, Scrumlord, like song, Captain Side, I'd, I'd be cool with any of them. Um, I would definitely vote Scrumlord. I feel like the biggest reason is the second half. We really get into that like Chani sort of vibe, mm -hmm. and yeah. I think that's something that we don't do a lot, but it, you know, it's something we have the option of doing. And I I think like like you know we keep talking about trying to prove more of our diversity as a band if that makes sense totally yeah so let's talk about scrum yeah so scrum lord i think i think it's one of those like fully fledged songs that matt was talking about earlier that i had i had come up with and brought it to the band um it's a good amalgamation of our influences but i also really like it because it does sort of sound different than everything else on the record um and not in like a like an emotional way where like i feel like capital side is more aggressive okay. uh, i just think like sonically it's a lot different than everything else um but it's cool it's very proggy um definitely showcases like the mars volta at the drive-in influence that we have that's a that's definitely a big influence of ours um oh, yeah, i awesome. love that's my definitely my favorite vocal performance of matt's on the record because he's like oh, he's, just, he's, he's drilling these really high notes and uh the chorus is a lot of fun live because we get Matt and I singing harmonies. We get Jack and Nick doing gang vocals. Um, and just the sequence of everything in that song, like it, it sort of has, it sort of has like a verse pre-chorus chorus kind of thing. But then when you get to the, the bridge section in the song, that segues into what Jack was mentioning earlier, which is like this sort of like, chan sort of influenced section where it's all clean guitars and a bunch of layers and then it sort of kind of builds from there um and then just the way that it ends on the record where we took like uh like a radio filter and put it over the guitar it's just kind of repeating and fading out although that was a just a cool production thing but yeah i i think if i if gun in my head what's my favorite song i would probably say scumboard yeah, I think it came together really well. That that one and Joe Panu both mm -hmm. were like instrumentally. We generally know what we're gonna do mm -hmm. in the latter half of the song. I think myself and Jack during that what we're calling the Chan section, I guess. Yeah. Um. I I remember we I was it took me forever to come up with something that would complement what he was playing on guitar. Yeah. But it, luckily it worked out, and I know Jack put a lot of that together like at the last minute. Mm -hmm. A lot of his bass parts that turned out really good. Um, yeah, but that was another one of those where like vocally, after, like I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I just had to get it out. And it's just, yeah. when you have that many parts that you have to get out, it's pain. But, and I think ultimately it was very rewarding to get it all out. And I think yeah. the final product between the riffs and the musicianship and just where it goes, I think it's, it's definitely, it's definitely up there for me. Yeah. So, I mean, collectively, it sounds like you guys all, um, appreciate and oh, not that meant that way. You know, the right way. No, no, no. I, I like how it turned out a lot. So I mean, yeah, I it think, happened. Oh no, my I was, I was gonna say, yeah. I think co collectively, we, um, I think we like that song too because live, it's probably like if if we just had like if I wasn't in the band and I just went and saw a band that sounded exactly like this band, I saw them perform that song live, mm -hmm. I would be like, hell yeah, like that's mm -hmm. so I think that like live it enhances our show 
that much more. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Some songs, like generally, not always, but generally, some of the more atmospheric songs don't really come together as well live. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you get lucky oh, yeah. with them, but I think this one, just having that driving punch and the twist and turn that it takes, really, like people respond to it very well. Sure, yeah. I yeah, like uh, whenever I talk to friends that are like non-musicians or musicians and they've come to see the show or um, that's usually the one that they like the most because um, they're like just from top to bottom, everyone's heavily involved in what they do. Um, obviously, it starts out in an odd time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's once again, definitely eclectic in terms of uh, influence and twists and turns and Everyone does do vocal things. Mm -hmm. There's like a whole drum thing at the end um, that goes into like what Alec was mentioning, this radio fizzing, uh, which is a cool effect. And uh, yeah, I, at least from a live standpoint, everyone always is most impressed, which is, you know, definitely the case when you see people playing a lot of notes that are musically making sense, but also they're multitasking and doing things. Yeah, like, yeah. Another reason why, like I mentioned earlier, Dave Mustaine is one of my really big influences. Mm -hmm. Is like, yeah, everybody you know, like riffs are awesome, and like some people like his voice, people don't. But like singing and playing that stuff, yeah, like together is insane. And like Scrum Lord for me is like a challenge. Whenever we play mm -hmm. like, to sing and play that song, it's just ugh. It's yeah. tough, but it's worth like it's rewarding. To oh yeah, to do it totally. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I it was either. Matt and or Alec, you said uh, about those ambient things translating live, and that brings us to Puzzle Puzzle. Puzzle Puzzle is the last song on, on the record. Mostly your your uh, composition. Most. With, save for a few things here and there. But mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Puzzle Puzzles for me is like my, it's probably, it's definitely not my favorite song on the record, but it's probably my favorite studio song on the record. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, like yeah, I think, oh, I and and so Nick had mentioned some of the cool drum stuff he did in Immaculate Sun. In this song, I think the the drum section in this song is my favorite drum moment on the record. Mm. I just, it, he has these layered things going on, and mm -hmm. it's just it's big. And we we got to do some fun little studio trips with like the cymbal washes and some reverse stuff. And it was it was oh, it's just so it's is so that cool if I say that go into could, it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh so this is one of those songs that was recorded in like 2016 and there was a Tom thing and we had flirted with an idea of being like, what do we want to do live that makes it different? And and I, I would take this sort of very rhythmic, uh like there's a drummer named Stanton Moore that I like mm -hmm. um, from like New Orleans. And I took a lot of hits from him being like, okay, to play a solo live that was very rhythmic and laid back, but there was still some sort of, thing going on but I was like I don't want to do that in the studio because like a lot of things that I will do live like they originate from the studio but I might change a little sure. bit yeah, to yeah. inner jazz nerd but mm -hmm. like yeah. um this I have the pattern just doing what it is on the toms that build up but there's like two bass drums that were tuned almost kind of like a, like a timpani like higher so they kind of cut through but they're they they were because they're bass drums they kind of sound like a marching bass drum you find there was another there's like a couple other snare drum tracks over there's a lot of cymbal washing like matt had said mm -hmm. um like rolls very you know doing that in immaculate sun i was like the immaculate sun because i think the aggression and just subconsciously i was like all right 
you know, Robin Gristle swans, and that's what came out to be. I was like sick. But this was definitely like reminded me like the high school days of being an orchestra and like yeah. doing all those things or like knowing the different parts, being like, you know, make sure everyone's in line sort of thing. And then right. I was like, when I get to do all those parts kind of as tracks. So we did do those those two aux things that we were talking about in those two songs at Blue Light. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's like other things like that were done aux wise at that. Like there's like tambourine little, you know, in the beginning kind of thing. Um, that's like buried as it should be kind of thing. It's not abrasive in the front. Yeah. Um, it makes a sense. Um, just... No, you're saying. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know. No, it, you're just an English and that's why. Yeah, it, no, exactly. And it's like, again, people will be like, oh, I want to hear that. But I'm like, yeah, you'll you'll subtly hear it. Like, it's yeah. kinda, it, it'll make sense within the mix itself. It's there, but it's like, you know. But yeah, so there's like a lot of that stuff and that's why studio-wise, because I think there's a lot of that, like even though I said it's not my favorite moment necessarily, I think eclectically, like I agree with Matt with that, like it's studio-wise all around, not just myself, but sure, everybody, yeah. you know, what you're doing. I think that's a song I'm probably most proud of the vocal stuff on. Like Scrum Lord is a harder song to sing, Joe Pond is a harder song to sing, but like how the arrangements came together and all the harmonies and stuff and puzzle puzzles. Yeah. I did, I'm, I'm probably the most proud of that from a vocal standpoint. I really liked how it came together. I really liked what we were able to do in the studio. And it was just fun. Like, there were some things on there where I knew I wanted to try and get this thing. We had to kind of keep working at it, figure out how to get it to work with all the 8 million voices going on. But it, it ultimately did work out, and I was very satisfied. Yeah. It's great to, like, go into the studio where you have an idea and you come out and you're just like, that's not why That's we're all it. doing this, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, I've always liked playing live, but there is something, like, about this. It's just, it's two different, yeah. it's two different art forms. Totally. Um, You know, like, sub, what are you going to say, sub art forms of, of something, you know, being mm -hmm. music, but. That's why I guess they both are really, I love playing live, and I love just going out there and, like, when people are cool with it, but, yeah. like, definitely the studio has become more of a fun thing because, I think it's taking those, those, uh, that knowledge of like, um, technicality and like phrasing with the, within a drummer standpoint, mm -hmm. but I prefer like at this rate in my life, it's, it's more like I, I want to have patterns or orchestral things based around that as opposed to just me being like, all right, dude, here's this Billy Higgins lick. Here's this like Art Blakey lick and I'm going to apply it in a more of a metal fashion. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, like orchestral themes are very fun within like that whatever it might be you know it can be mm -hmm. like swans or like sepultura any of these bands where there's that element within it and it does add to like what the guitar is doing yeah, yeah. it's always really fun like I, lo I love doing that more and more one thing i have to mention before we we cut out as far as talking about the record is alec mixed the record oh that's just gonna have to yeah so we were awesome like, like we were you know, we were behind him. He's at the desk, and we're just like making his life miserable for years. <laughs> like Every night, the they're just like, "Hey, can you like, can you?" Well, the stupidest thing we did that mm -hmm. we did do. So we there's a thing that we we call it lead juice. <laughs> yeah, so you put a little bit of reverb and delay and something. This lead juice. <laughs> just throw the lead juice on there. At the beginning of Puzzle Puzzles, there's a tambourine that we put lead juice Yeah. On. Oh, that, I see, that's that. the same I totally forgot about that. that. I, don't, I don't even remember because... We're just like, it sounds harsh. Can we try the lead juice? Can, we'll make <laughs> the lead juice and take the edge off. Because it made sense, I guess, no, it makes sense. Like, that's the tambourine yeah. I'm referencing in the intro before there's yeah. even a solidified drum pattern. 
it's like just little knocks and things. Yeah, but like there were a lot of things, I think me especially, that I threw it out where I was just like, I have this idea in my head and we're going to have to figure it out. And he did. Oh, speaking of having fun in the studio and using, you know, utilizing the studio and all that, during the final chorus of the song, there's actually a part where all the instruments cut out and it's just, I forget how many voices, like four or five of oh, Max's yeah. voices, you're doing the, the every shoulder part. Mm-hmm. That happened completely by accident. Yep. I don't remember how exactly it happened, but we just, I think I inadvertently. So like throughout when you, when you mix a record, anyone who's listening or anyone in this room who kind of knows how that goes, um, yeah. it can be a difficult process of managing expectations. But there's also oh, yeah. happy accidents that that happen as well, which mm-hmm. are really cool, and they can kind of contribute to like the overall arrangement of the track. And with puzzle puzzles, I think I accidentally like I had a vocal group set up. And I had a group that was literally everything else. And like I yeah. accidentally <laughs> muted the everything but the vocal group. And it was like right at that moment where we were like, oh, that'd be so cool if that actually like happened in the song. And then I did this thing where like everything cut out on this one hit. There's this big like vocal harmony thing. And then I took a like I think it was like a cymbal wash and like reversed it and it comes back. Yeah. And, and it like it it hits really really hard like the low end of that song i thought was pretty dialed but uh yeah like i had that idea that just it, sounds good you're talking about it because <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew exactly like what you say like what about this i was like okay well i know like definitely where these hits are i was like just do it here and here and he was just with his expertise did that yeah and i was like that's exactly where i was thinking of it and that was another moment where i was like yo it's a democratic process but he's got to agree to this because it just comes <laughs> out and it's like oh! there's like some feedback that's reversed in there too yeah. I, will, yeah. I will say like on the record immediately i heard it was like yeah, exactly. Like, and that's how it all was. Like once we had gotten it synced up, we were like, this is this is awesome. Those happy accents. Yeah, yeah really. 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 I, I will say on the record, I'm I'm officially retired from mixing after, <laughs> after that whole process. We'll probably have somebody else mix the next one, but uh it was it was cool. I really like the way it came out. Um I don't consider myself like a super uh like I have a background in it and I've like worked with artists and bands, but I don't yeah. consider myself like a super intellectual mixing engineer uh but i thought we did well i also thought that um mr uh nolan thies is that how we say yeah, it? Th- yeah he did an excellent job of engineering the drums when we did the portion of the record up uh in bunker for the drums mm-hmm. um and then i also thought that brad boatwright uh who's a guy who has mastered a bunch of like the bands that we really really like i thought he did a great job of mastering so without the help of those two it would not have sounded as as good as it came out i'm so happy it's over yeah yeah it's wonderful yeah yeah the 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 season finale is basically the record release show so again oh yeah june 18th at silk city in philadelphia it's a saturday so bring out all your friends and uh Buy those tickets to... beforehand. They're twelve bucks now, fifteen at the door. Save yourself a couple of dollars so you can get a citywide.